Hey everyone, and welcome to YFNA News. And this is Holly and Ethan interviews. Holly, how are you? That's weird being on a different platform, but I am good. How are you? It is. You know, I part of me really wanted to have this on our our normal YouTube channel, Table for Two, but at the same time, it you know it feels like this one is more conducive to the topic we're talking about. I agree. How has uh, your week been so far? Um, I've been doing a lot of training for a job that I just, uh, got started with. So that's always good. And, um, I'm wearing conservative clothes, as you can see, because this is a very conservative issue I dress yeah. for this, the correct way. Um, this is our serious one. Yeah, we do have to be very serious with this topic because we got so many questions and I am I am really, you know, not only excited but honored that he's willing to sit down and talk with us particularly on a topic this controversial. Um no, for, I'm, for, I'm super grateful because I'll, I just want to say that not a lot of police officers would be willing to talk about, you know, current events and, and what's going on in the world. So I really respect the fact that he is willing to do this. Thing. I, I, you know, I really appreciate it. And I think the, the most important takeaway I want everyone who's watching this to, uh, to, to note is we want this to be a, you know, respectful conversation where we actually make some progress. We try and understand each other's hides and sides. And I think the best part about this is Holly and I are not necessarily on like opposing sides, but we don't totally agree. So we're both going to be fielding questions, uh, from our sides. Yes, I, I think that's what makes it interesting, though, is that we kind of we have different opinions on um, the different issues, such as, you know, police issues or, or things like that. So it's kind of nice to have opposing views. Yeah, I agree. So without further ado, I would like to uh, welcome uh, Officer Andy. Uh, Andy, how you doing? Good. How are you? Doing good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yes, uh, thank you, Officer thanks. Andy. You're welcome. Um, for obvious reasons, you know, we won't be using your last name or uh, where you're located from. Um, but yeah, if you could give us a little background on who you are. Um, I'm a police officer in the Chicagoland area. Uh, I've been doing it for 14 years now. Um, I'm a canine officer for my department, so I've kind of got a a little bit of a different background than most just regular police officers would. Um, I love my job. Sometimes I hate my job. Um, but overall, it's probably one of the greatest career paths I could have done. So you you so you wouldn't choose anything else. You are happy as a police officer. And even after everything that's going on, you going saying, I'm going to sign up for the police academy, you would still <laughs> do it knowing that the world is going to be like this. Even with hindsight being 2020 that it always is. Yes. I would still pick to do this. Well, then you're in the right career. May I ask why, why did you become a police officer? Um, I had some, some friends back in high school that went through some, some pretty rough, rough times. Um, drug wise. So I kind of, all I wanted to do when I was a kid was grow up and be a truck driver. So I actually had had it in my head probably up until my junior year of high school that I was just going to be an over-the-road truck driver, you know, um, see the country, 
do all that kind of stuff. But then some of my friends went down some weird paths, and then I actually went on a ride-along with a family friend, and uh, it forever changed my path in life. From that point on, I was completely hooked. Now, Officer Andy, would you encourage other people to go on ride-alongs? Because I really think that that, I think a lot of people are like, maybe they don't know exactly what goes on uh, behind the scenes. So would you recommend mm -hmm. anyone that is curious to maybe go on a ride-along or sign up for, what is it, the Citizens Academy? Is that what it is? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, some departments are kind of iffy on ride-alongs. Um, some are more stringent than others. Um especially right now, you probably couldn't with all the COVID stuff that goes on and regulations and all that kind of goofy stuff. Right. Um, but Citizens Police Academies are what I tell people is the single best way that if you are curious whether you want to do this as a career or whether you want to see how this job really goes is your best, your best way to do it as a civilian. Right. Does your department, uh, uh, do they allow ride-alongs? on ride -alongs? They do, but right now, um, I don't think they are. Okay. Just just simply because of COVID and all, that, all the craziness. Oh, that makes sense. Um, we, actually, we actually had a Citizens Police Academy getting ready to, ready to spin up and go, um, but because COVID and everything else, it got delayed indefinitely. I mean, it's not that the program's over. It's just that it got pushed back. Okay. Uh, so before we getting, get into the topic defunding uh, the police, I do have a, a couple other questions. Um, do you think police officers receive enough training for what they're you know required to do? Yes. Um, if you think about it in the beginning, when you start off as brand new, um, you're a jack of all trades and a master of none. Okay. So you have to learn a great many things during the 12 to 15 week academy. Um, and then you, you hopefully graduate that and get a base knowledge of what you need to do. Then you get out and you go to your department and your department puts you in field training. And, you know, you go through another 12 weeks minimum, sometimes longer, depending on the department. Um, and that gives you the, so you kind of start broad, right? Okay. And then it just, the circle kind of closes in on what you learn and not only what you learn, but you learn how to apply it, right? Because when you go to the police academy, you could have local jurisdictions, you could have sheriffs, you could have, if you go to the state police academy, you could be a local suburban police officer mixed in with state troopers, which two totally different worlds, right? Right. So you learn from each other, right? Okay. And then you learn, you learn that basis and then you get out and actually do the job on the street and apply what you've learned. But honestly, most of, most of what you do in police work is, is on the job training. Like you take that, you take that basis knowledge, right? And then you go put it to work, and then that molds how you're going to be as a police officer. But uh, do you think that essentially when this is such a, a critical position that mm -hmm. 
learning it as you go may not, you know, be the best because, you know, for, for example, like I, 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 in many ways, people harp on police far too much. Like I, Mm -hmm. I, I am of the position that police officers aren't trained enough. Now I am not going to say that like when a police officer, like that's failure of the police themselves. But to me, that is a, you know, a failure of the system. Like, Mm -hmm. I think we, for one, allow uh, police officers to become police officers, bef- you know, too early on, like before their frontal cortex is, you know, even fully developed, people are becoming police officers. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think that should happen until you're, you know, 25 years old uh, because your brain's still developing. Mm-hmm. And before that, you know, we're kids. We don't, we don't know what we're doing. Um, and, and additionally, uh, you know, I spent, two to two to three years training uh martial arts and de-escalation tactics and mm-hmm. i i gotta say like i don't even feel like i would be qualified to be a police officer with that two to three years behind me um mm-hmm. and, and, and additionally when um I, i've spent nearly a, a decade in bar and to me that is some of the the best experience in dealing with people. Like, I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily think like a 21 a, a year old is going to know how to mm-hmm. handle a, a drunk at a bar if they don't have the experience doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, what I would say to that is the, the great majority of police officers that get started in this are not that young simply because the initial testing process Mm. to even get into a police department, right. To even get into in front of a board of police commissioners where you get interviewed, right. And they go through your entire life up and down inside out. Those tests are very hard and they're designed to weed out, you know, let's, let's just call them the young ones, right. Like a 21 year old, with little life experience, right? Um, in my own personal experience in my career, the youngest I've ever seen come through my department is to start was 24. Okay, so that's right there. Um, and I looked at him as a baby, right? Because I'm obviously a, a right now in the middle of the road slash senior officer, you could say. Okay. And you see get those guys starting to come up where I was when I started. Cause when I started, I was 24. Um, I had, and I, and I agree with you. I think, I think right around that age is a good, is a good age to start that hopefully you've done something prior to get you ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got people from all walks of life that become police officers and the majority of them are good at it. Are there some that aren't? Yeah. I mean, that's any course. Absolutely. You know, like everything else, the only thing that stinks is in ours, the bad ones are the ones that, that the media will go to and harp on. And then the rest of us just kind of get, get put into, get lumped together. Yeah. And I, I don't, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think that's uh, fair. I guess where I have an issue with, and it, it's not just to be clear, this is like, isn't just an issue with police officers, but this is, to me, a huge issue with this country in general is this protective mentality. You know, drug dealers have it. You can't snitch. Uh, police, mm-hmm. 
have it. They don't like fraternities have it. They protect their uh, male friends mm-hmm. when they abuse other women. And I, I, I think that is why people seem to get pretty upset because they're wondering like, why are these good officers not calling these bad officers out? Why are they not stepping forward and saying, you know, this wasn't right. Um, mm-hmm. Example, like, you know, Ahmed Arbery, why mm-hmm. didn't the three other officers and I, I'm, you know, I can't say why they didn't, but I guess I'm just trying to understand why does it seem that the good officers don't always want to, you know, hold the bad officers accountable and put their feet to the fire and be like, you know, this was not acceptable. You can't do this. Well, what, what I would say to you is we do. The only okay. difference is we don't make a public spectacle of it, right? right? Because especially in today's world, there's so much at stake, right? Like, what was it just this past week? Uh, two new, uh, I think it was Camden, New Jersey officers got their house shot up. They have a, two officers married, have a 10-month-old baby in the house because they got docked for something, right? Their house got shot up. Yeah. Right? And- so, so, yes, we do police our own, but we do that. We don't necessarily do it in a public manner. Um, does that make it right or wrong? I don't have that answer. All I know is when, when the bad ones do you know, present themselves, it's handled. We handle it ourselves because of the danger of every single time, right? If you, if you looked at especially the big departments, like a department like Chicago, okay. like just think of it. There's what ten thousand plus officers, right? Okay. Ninety-nine point nine of them are good, right? Do their job the right way, lawfully, you know. But depending on depending on what what the incident is, if people are going to jump to a conclusion rather than sit back and wait till the facts come out and just go by emotion, that's where the problem lies. And that's part of it too. Is even on some of these things with with quote-unquote bad cops, is it factually that they're bad or is it um, emotion, right, that makes them bad? Is it the, is it the, the clickbait you, part of it that makes them bad? Can you uh, clarify what, uh, what you mean? What do you mean? Like, wh- like what, do you what mean part by, of it? Like, sorry, what do you mean by it's like, are they actually bad or is it the clickbait part that's bad? Like, right. you so you look, at, you look at the way the, the media handles situations, for instance, right? Everyone jumps to conclusions right. before facts come out. I, I or before, totally agree with you there. So that in that, same, in that same realm, what you have to understand is the way the legal process works is you have to let it work, right? You have to let internal affairs and the state police and whoever else has to has to investigate things. You have to let them do their job rather than see a, a scrolling headline and then just jump to a conclusion about what happened. Right. You know, like like in everything and everything that our job is. This this country, in many ways, the conversations are broken. 
people, mm-hmm. you know, I, uh, you know, agreed people quickly see the headlines and are immediately lash out and they don't, mm-hmm. you know, wait for it, for the facts. And mm-hmm. granted there, you know, it, it is important to wait for everything to come out, but I, I think we're the, you know, and Holly, when you have questions, please interject. I feel like where some of the uh, frustration comes in is some of these situations seem to keep happening and they're mm-hmm. happening in the public eye um, where I'm mm-hmm. at um, Aubrey, Brianna, uh, uh, Taylor, the, the, the other officers aren't, you know, I, I guess, how can we ask people to wait when it at, you know, the appearance doesn't seem like they're actually holding each other accountable. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, it, when one of my friends got into uh, attacked somebody, I didn't let him sit there and continue to physically attack him and think, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with the, uh, deal with this later. I pulled him off and I stopped it. And I think that's something that would go a long way is if we saw police officers, like when I'm at Mount Arbery was pinned down, like pulling another officer off like hey you can't do this and i think mm-hmm. that's the reason people are getting more frustrated is because they're not actually seeing officers hold each other mm-hmm. accountable well the other part of that too is you what gets you more coverage and more clicks seeing the bad or putting more good for every instance like that there's thousands i mean i I don't even know what the number of interactions every day are, right? Exactly. It's, it's, you know, and that's that's the problem is that when one sensationalized event happens, right, then everybody jumps on it and everybody jumps on it right away and everybody makes conclusions before for seeing an initial five second video clip from somebody on their cell phone, right? Right. And part of the reason it is the way it is today is because of the technology that we have now. Cell phones, security cameras, you know, ring doorbell cameras, like all the kind of stuff that has it. That's the reason that that these things are seen more. It doesn't mean that the bad things are happening more. It doesn't mean that they're happening more now than they ever were before. It's just that those sensationalized ones are the ones that, that get people fired up. And they're the ones that get clicks and get views. Media is our enemy right now. It really is our biggest. And they're just like turning people against each other. They are. And it's it's breaking the conversation to the point where people, as you said earlier, uh, Andy, they, they don't want to engage in legitimate conversation. Mm-hmm. They want to lash out. And mm-hmm. while I personally, like, you know, as I, I, I said earlier, Holly and I don't really see eye to eye on this. Um, and, you know, I am a you know proponent uh, of Black Lives Matter, but at the same time, I don't support violence against police officers mm-hmm. or anybody. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a peaceful dude. I think almost everything can be resolved mm-hmm. simply by talking and listening. So, right. uh, you know, I guess with everything going on in today's climate, what is it like? Uh, for what is it like? What is work like for you every day? Like, how do you feel going into work? Um, I still feel the same as I always have. I have a little bit more 
apprehension every morning and I make, make it a more of a concerted effort to, to kiss my wife and my children goodbye before I leave. Um, simply because they watch the news, they have cell phones, right? Their right. friends know what I do for a living. Um, also, and at any into this question how how does your family how does your wife and kids how do they deal with you when you are at work <laughs> or in general do um, they, how do they how do they live this lifestyle uh pretty well actually they've adjusted. um they've adjusted pretty good i mean my kids are all older all teenagers um when things got really crazy um with riots and and all that kind of stuff when it, when the city was actually going up, they were actually quite concerned. Um, because I have a dog, I could get called into to those situations at any time. Yeah. But I've also been doing this long enough that they understand. And it's kind of like a second nature for them too. I wouldn't say it makes it any easier for them. Um, because the same way that, that I have friends and I have family, they have friends too that could have differing opinions of me and, and, and just because of what I do for a living. Um, but for the most part, like, I think, I think our family does a really good job. They're still proud of what I do. Um, I've never, I've always told them that if people confront them, just don't interact with it, walk away. Right. Um, cause that could happen. You know, you never know. That's true. Um, all right, so moving on, I like I have so many questions I want to ask, but we should probably get <laughs> to the the topic, the main topic at hand, and that sure. is uh, defunding the police. What does that uh, mean yeah. to you? Uh, it's kind of a non-starter for me. Okay, it's it's a little bit of um, a nonsensical argument because here's what you got to understand about funding for a police department, okay? It's public funds. So we have a budget, comes down from the state, comes down from the county, you get allocated X amount of dollars to do X amount of things with X amount of people, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're, and, and I still haven't found or heard or had somebody discuss with me a logical way to defund the police. Because what you have to understand is, you know, everybody wants to defund the police, but they want more social aspects of it, right? Like they want more, they want more training, right? You want more training into, into dealing with, you know, de-escalation and the mentally ill, right? For instance, one, one example. Okay. Well, if you defund the police, that type of training or those type of specialized officers you have in a department, those are going to be the first ones to go because on the totem pole of what you need to function and to, and to keep your, your citizens safe, which is who you're responsible for. Those are the first programs that are going to go. Yeah. So it's not defunding us. It's actually that we need more. Because all that training that people want us to do, it costs money. And we don't get private funded stuff. Sure, we get, you know, grants every now and then, right? But there's not, we live in Illinois, man. (laughs) 
there ain't money to go around, dude. You know, and that's what I tell people. And when they try to, when they have that conversation, I'm always willing to talk to people about it, but everyone just seems to say, well, I want to defund the police. You guys, you guys have too much. You're too much like the military. Okay. Are we look at who, look at the bad guys we have to deal with on the streets. Right. There's some pretty bad dudes out there. Oh, right? absolutely. Really bad dudes. And I would much rather be prepared for when the bad dudes come knocking than to be ill-prepared and then have to have somebody else come knock on my on my family's door. Uh, no, of course. Um, I want to try and uh, bridge a possible like uh, communication gap or, or misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Let me try and, you know, from... Uh, illustrate what defund the police mean at least from my understanding means it's okay not that we uh like it starts with demilitarizing the police like i mean police don't need a gigantic tank um would you agree with that like there's quite literally no need for any police department to have a tank okay but do you know what aspects of a police department actually use that uh no could you give me like an example SWAT teams. Okay. So SWAT teams have those vehicles. So when they go to drug dealers' houses, they go to serve high-risk warrants with people that are are known to be armed, right? And they're not just armed with, you know, pea shooters. Like, there's guys out there with AK-47s right now, right? So they have those vehicles to get them to what they need to go, to get them in, get them out safely. It's not just a, it's not just a paperweight, right? And those things are only used by SWAT teams. And the other ones, the ones you see that are the big quote unquote tanks, the MRAPs, those are government surplus vehicles, right? And most, most departments, when they get those, it's free of cost. It's a surplus item. It's either going to go sit in the desert, in the desert and, either get melted down or it's just going to sit in a graveyard. So if a department can use it and have it for, let's say a natural disaster, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of those MRAPs are very tall and go through water and do all those kinds of things. So if you're in a, a flood, a town in a floodplain and you've got one of those, Hey, guess what? You've got, you've got a vehicle that if you get some sort of thousand year rain, your department's able to go rescue people. Okay. Right. So that's, that's what, what those things are for. They're not just, they're not just taken out on the street every day and driven around. The only time you'll see them used, used other than serving a warrant is when they go do a block party. Right. Because kids love them. Kids want to, want to see what's inside of them and all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. Um, so do do you, uh, from, I don't know if you would agree or disagree with this statement that police mm-hmm. aren't trained medical professionals uh, or psychologists or don't have experience, um, you know, except outside of personal dealing with drug addicts and, you know, people who are mentally ill. Because that's, correct me if I'm wrong, you're not trained for those situations. Is that correct? No, actually, I am. You personally? Our, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a state mandated program. In Illinois, that 
departments send officers to what's called crisis intervention training. Okay. And that's specifically what it deals with is mental illness and how to deal with the mentally ill. And it's not just the training that, you know, you sit and you watch some slides and you, uh, Hey, when's lunch? Like it's not that kind of training. Okay. Um, at the end of it, they actually bring in real actors and they, you go on calls, right? Same way you do back in the Academy. So like me, you know, I hadn't done a, uh, uh, a scenario based training like that with the mentally ill since the Academy. So I went through it and it was actually very eye opening for me. Um, one, just because of the vast resources that are available to us to help those that are, that are having a crisis. Um, and I'm lucky that our department is actually sending every single officer through it where the state says you have to send X amount. Our department said, no, we're going to send everybody. So we're lucky. Right. Um, you know, does that mean some, some departments say, no, we don't have the money for that. Sure. I mean, that's, that's real. Like smaller departments may not have the money budgeted for that. Um, so that's one thing that I think is good about this discussion is that maybe the people that didn't understand that that is a thing, it is a thing. And it's, it's something that's real. Um, since they shut down all the, the, the mental health hospitals, there's mm-hmm. many more calls that you have that deal with people that are in crisis. Um, and so it's good. I mean, it's good training. It makes, it makes you, it really makes you think. It makes you sit down after you go through some of these situations and hear some of these speakers and you're like, man, that's awesome shit. Right. I'm right. oh, sorry. Well, we're on YouTube. I can cut. You're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, um but yeah, but it, it is out there. It is out there. But it, if I'm understanding you correctly, though, it's not across the board. Is that correct? Like, it's not. What do you, you said? Like, there are departments that just don't have the money for it. There so, probably are. I wouldn't. I wouldn't make a blanket statement that every single department in Illinois can afford to send their guys like the state would want. Mm. Um, or a department like ours that's lucky enough to be able to to finagle it to make it work. Um the vast majority of departments that, that I have friends in and I deal with all have the probably over half their departments have gone through that training where the rest of them are just waiting. And especially now with COVID, like all that kind of stuff is just now starting to, to start up again. And the grand, the class size is very small now, right? Because of COVID. Um, but they're starting it back up again. So to, you know, to me, I feel like what we, we, the mistake we make in this country is we treat and expect police officers to kind of do everything. And mm-hmm. I think that's what we need to get away from because it doesn't seem that police officers would be qualified to deal with all these different scenarios. And it's, it's no fault of their own by, by any means it's up to mm-hmm. the, to supply the training but i would think rather than having police officers answering like calls for drug addicts or calls for the mentally ill you know the the last thing like a mentally ill person needs to see is a person with a gun walking up on them like Mm -hmm. i i feel like taking those funds and 
moving them over to other social services and other options, you know, would mm-hmm. be better and giving police, you know, they just handle the bad guys and that's it. Mm-hmm. What I would say to that is the, the blessing and the curse of this profession, right? Is that at every second of your day, it can either be boring as hell or you can go from zero to 60 in the snap of a finger. Okay. And a lot of, a lot of the ways that you handle that is experience. And even when you have a mix in a department, because no department is all rookies and no Mm -hmm. department is all guys that are retired on duty and just ready to get out of there. Right. Right. It's a mix, you know, and with all those kind of calls, you go, you handle, you handle them the same way, you know, Holly can relate to this, like when you're a parent, right. And, and you have kids and none of your kids are the same. I've got four of them, right. None, none of the four of my kids are the same. Right. They've all got their own personality quirks and you have to handle each of them on certain days, a certain way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, for, for the mentally ill, when you go there are those, there are those calls where, where someone sees an authority figure and that's what sets them off. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's also the same way that person may just not like me. Cause I'm a redhead. <laughs> that I might have an officer standing next to me that looks like a Paisan and, and they can relate to him. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the gift of gab, man. It's all about how you can talk to people. Right. I've had those situations where, 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 you know, you walk in and you can tell that the person's agitated and you can tell that it's, it's not just that they're being an ass. It's that something they're in crisis and it's just how you know how to talk to people. Right. That's it. That's the, that's the, that's the magic of this job. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand. A lot of this job is just talking. It's just your ability to talk to people. I, I, and that's what you should be doing. You see the media ever talking about that. It's always like the violence. It's always the negative, the violence, but there is a lot, like you said, there's a lot of talk involved, but nobody Mm -hmm. talks about that. Yeah. And that's why I always, and that's why I said in the beginning is why I encourage people to go to a citizen's police academy, <coughs> excuse me, and go through it. And hopefully the department that you can go to is one that does it a pretty thorough citizens police academy. And most departments do. Um, and, and you see things and I've seen many people that go through our citizens police academy and come out at the end of it and go, man, I had no idea. Now are these people that maybe they changed their <coughs> On, on yep. the whole police academy, maybe they went in there thinking, oh, yeah, these guys, I'm going to watch them mm-hmm. you know, mis- mishandle a situation. And then they come in <coughs> and, and they're like, mm-hmm. we for now. And I can't speak for other departments, but I know a lot of them do it pretty much the same that we do. Um, we actually put people through Sims training, which is, you know, the the paintball, the paint, like paintball rounds in, in your gun, right? to real life situation, traffic stops, domestics, stuff like that to see, okay, here's your call. Here's what the, the dispatchers give you handle it. Same way we get it. Right. And sometimes it's, it's not designed to make you fail. It's designed to whether you could walk in and everything you do, it'll turn out. Okay. 
or it could go from zero to 60, you know? And that's the thing is that people see that and they're like, wow. Or you see that, you know, all I had to really do was talk to that guy. And he calmed down and, and we made, we had a rapport and, and you know what? He, he really chilled out and that happened a lot. Oh, I, I believe it. And I think that's what, you know, we should be focusing on is talking and de-escalation uh, tactics. So it doesn't ever have to get to the point of, you know, a fight. Uh, so, or- see, that's the thing though. De-escalation is, is, is a, it's there. It's always there. And that's, what, and that's mean, the misconception is that, that the misconception because of, you know, again, how it's painted in the media with the sensationalized stuff is that we just walk into a situation and we're just, you know, this balled up fists ready to go when that's not the case at all. Some, I got to push back on that. That may not be true mm-hmm. for like you or your department, but that isn't an, an accurate statement. I mean, we have plenty of footage of officers literally coming out swinging and coming out mm-hmm. guns pointed. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think that statement's accurate. There are right. plenty. But of do you have, but the other, the way I would, I would come back at you with that is, do you know the whole story? Do you have all the facts, right? Or do you just have a video clip? Right? So you're in some cases, we don't have all the information, but mm-hmm. in sometimes we do. And we have examples of, police mm-hmm. for literally no reason pulling out their gun and just executing people and that's where i think um sorry i shouldn't say executing that's a, that's a pretty strong word i should say pulling out their guns and shooting people when they shouldn't be or killing people so we do have examples of that in the news where this is happening mm-hmm. like i said that may not be a reflection of you or your department but it's it wouldn't be accurate to say that it doesn't happen because there are plenty of situations where that does happen where people like I would even I would even I would have to see the specific examples that you're saying I won't say that I won't say that that there hasn't been instances but I could guarantee you that in those instances those aren't dudes that that wake up go to ship and say yo I'm killing somebody today that doesn't happen it just doesn't happen Sorry, you don't think any police officer has ever thought that they wanted to kill somebody? Not just waking up and saying, hey, today I'm going to go kill somebody. I don't think that happened. I don't think they're saying I'm going to go kill somebody, but we we can't really be suggesting that no police officer ever wakes up thinking like, hey, I do want to kill somebody. Like, I mean, we have examples of people proudly, you know, pulling their guns out. Let's look at the hotel in Vegas when... The kid was on the ground crying his eyes out. He had no weapon on him. The police were giving these just crazy orders. Crawl like this. Act like this. If you do anything, mm-hmm. I and shoot you. And the police officer that killed this individual had uh, uh, something on his gun that like said, I want to see what I, I got to look up what was on his gun. But it was something really messed up. And he was clearly very mm-hmm. proud of the fact. I don't think I saw that footage. Uh, I will send it to you, and it is actually completely disturbing and, and uh, disgusting. Um, that, th- and the fact that they got off is just—it it was in 2017. 
uh, was it two, I, I'm going to have to get the rest of the information, but that is a prime example of a, a police officer who had no problem just pulling a trigger on an unarmed civilian while he was crying his eyes out. Was that the, the crazy guy in the, in the hotel? Uh, yeah, I believe he, I don't want to say he was crazy, but yeah, he was clearly, um, Mm-hmm. out of it and terrified and he got I don't down. remember that one I'd have to relook at that one but you also have to understand you also have to understand too I think I think what he had on his dust cover might have been something to the effect of fuck them all um, you also have to understand that police officers have a very different sense of humor than civilians in the in the in the population we Something like that wouldn't necessarily be that that guy's saying, I'm going to kill somebody today, right? It's just saying that that guy is waking up saying, if I have to, I will, right? Because I, I'm going to go home. I don't think people, I don't think police officers ever woke up and says, I just, I'm going to kill someone today. I mean, I got to push back on how I don't, I don't, I, I do not agree with that. I, I, I just cannot foresee why somebody would do that. Right. But saying I can't foresee why somebody would do that doesn't mean it wouldn't happen. You're just saying because I can't picture it, it doesn't happen. And you're kind of making the assumption that all police officers are good and don't want to actually kill people. And we have plenty, plenty examples of police officers not caring and killing people. Now, that's a minority. I'll be the first to admit that, that mm. the, there is no issue with the, the majority outside of needing additional training. But I, I, I think it's doing a disservice and not being entirely honest to just make a broad statement that no police officer ever thinks that. Um, so are you saying that you think that, let's take that police officer, for instance. You think he would just walk up to somebody, pull his gun out, and shoot him? I I, I don't know, and I I can't make that. I can't make that assumption. He wouldn't. No, he was in a situation. He was in a high stress situation, and he acted. Now, the facts dictate whether he acted right or wrong. Right, that's what the facts dictate. Now, did that kid walk up, wake up in the morning, and say? Gonna kill somebody today? No, doesn't work that way, man. I I will push back on you on that all day long. That's just not the type of people that do this job. That's you can't make that. That's that's a completely broad assumption. So unless Correct. you have an example of, and you know every police officer, you can't. Mm-hmm. When we know humans are effed up mm-hmm. and make these mistakes, you're making this assumption that now every single police officer who went through training has mm-hmm. no no you know issues and uh are all doing mm-hmm. it for completely good reasons and that's that's I, I don't get how you can make this broad assumption when you don't even know all these police officers or all these situations. I don't think any of us can make assumptions because none of them know we don't know any of these police officers that have done any of these horrible crimes and we don't know them personally. So I don't think either one of us can say what's a fact and what's not because we weren't there. Right. And that's the only point I'm trying to make is that we can't paint this broad brush. I'll gladly stand with you in saying that the majority of the officers don't think like that and don't have this, you know, oh, I want to kill somebody. Of course not. 
Um, because if they did, we would have a lot more killings going on. But to deny that any police officer thinks that is actually completely fallacious reasoning. I'd still push back on you, man. We do psychological evaluations. We do all kinds of things to make sure okay. that the people that are out there are okay. Now, do people go sideways in their career because of the things they see? Sure, that happened. Do you think that was one of the questions that we were asked? Do you guys think that you receive enough support given the fact that you see a lot of things that Ethan and I would never see? Do you think, what do you mean by support? Do you, is there social workers on board or someone that you got, or a therapist, someone you guys can talk? Mm -hmm. Let's say you saw, yep. let's say you saw really, you know, you were a really bad mm -hmm. car accident and you had to help pull a toddler out of a vehicle or something like that. Yep. You, we have, we have EAP. Okay. Um, we also have, um, obviously you can, you can short of having them to do that. You could always get a hold of your department chaplain, um, just to have somebody to talk to whether you're religious or not, just that, that person that is, is, has the ability to listen. Mm -hmm. Um, we have peer support, um, that's confidential that the way, the way it's done is so that guys, and girls, and now let's just say that when I say guys, I say everybody. So I don't want anybody out there to, to jump on me that I'm not talking about the women out there too. Um, but that that peer support is a huge one because that's that's the same person that you that you you do the same job, right? Mm -hmm. They're the people that that do the same thing as you every day, so they can really help you if you see something messed up or something's just bugging you that you right. can go do. Yeah, so, no, that's good here. Yeah, it was yeah one of the questions I did want to get to is if you have the mental support you need. Um, I, I guess oh, yeah. we're. Uh, and by the way, if you do have any questions for you know myself, Holly, or Officer Andy, uh, feel free to put them in the comments, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook or Twitch. Um, any any comments that are insulting will not be posted. But if you have genuine questions, <laughs> please feel free uh, to ask. Yeah. Um, I really want to push back on uh, what we're just talking about, though, because let's again, I want to use Ahmed Arbery as an example. The, the man who, the police officer who had his uh, knee on his neck passed a psychological evaluation when he's clearly, some there's something very wrong mm -hmm. with that. That is, would you? Would you not agree that that's an example of someone who passed a psychological evaluation that clearly I don't had... I don't know the the Ahmed Arbery one. I'm not that one's not ringing a bell to me. So it was uh, what happened was uh, he got pulled out of the car and the he was suffocated until he was killed. His, the police officer's knee was on the back of his neck. You can see the entire footage. There is no edits, no nothing from start to mm -hmm. finish. People all outside were begging for him to get off his neck. Blood's coming out of his mouth. The guy's begging, saying he can't breathe. And the officer just sat there, chill, with his hands in his pocket, choking the man till he died. Now, he passed a psychological evaluation. Mm -hmm. I think right there is a prime example of someone who should, should not be mm -hmm. a police officer. Um, well, again, honestly, man, I don't remember that one, and I... I'm not gonna. I can't really get into the debate with you unless it's something that I've seen. I, I and I'm I saying 
I guess the only point I'm trying to make is maybe it would be more responsible for us not to paint a broad brush and make this assumption that every police officer is inherently good and doesn't have any bad or well but even even that guy it doesn't because he did a horrible thing in that moment it doesn't that still doesn't mean he's a horrible individual it was a tragic situation that occurred right that's tragic anytime somebody's life is lost it's fucking tragic either way but that still doesn't mean that 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 guy that officer was like gonna kill him it just it, um, it just right. doesn't happen, man. It doesn't mean tragic thing. Tragic things happen, sure, right? But that doesn't mean that that person is going out seeking that. And I, again, I'm I, maybe I'm not uh, explaining my position clearly. I'm not saying that there are definitely like police officers doing that, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying it. The idea that no police officer doing that, saying that, seems not only ir- irresponsible but not like it's painting an accurate picture particularly when we do have bad apples out there yeah there's bad apples out there but that doesn't mean that those bad apples are are running around with a license to kill or just doing it like, like do you think ethan do you think that that particular officer woke up that day and said i'm going to kill someone today uh, I, I don't know. And that's the thing. And by the way, I mixed up George Floyd and Ahmed Arbery, but see, you're, you're shaking your head. No, but you don't know that. See, this is, no, I'm so not, are we talking about George Floyd? I, I, I made a, I, sorry, I actually made a mistake. George okay. Floyd, not Ahmed Arbery. Um, I am. And oh, here, let me, uh, Cassidy says, thank you, officer Andy, my family and I appreciate all of you. And <laughs> thank you, Cassidy. I appreciate that. So here's here's what I'll say about George Floyd. Okay. Have you seen the entire video? Um, From beginning to end? Uh, I believe so. Um, I saw from the initial the initial interaction. Yes. Until until the end. Correct. Okay. Yes. You will you will not find a police officer in the United States of America or probably internationally that is okay and says good on you for putting your, your knee on the back of somebody's neck for seven minutes and 43 seconds. Right. Never. Okay. Now that being said, there are arrest tactics where to control somebody's head, you have to put a knee towards the back of their neck. Now that doesn't mean you put, your weight on that knee, you're taught to put your weight on your off leg. So you don't push down on somebody's neck. But what you also have to understand is he didn't die of asphyxiation. He died of excited delirium and lethal levels of fat. Okay. Now it's tragic that that, that, that man is dead. It's absolutely tragic. It, it shouldn't have happened. He shouldn't have been in that situation that day. He shouldn't have, have, have put those drugs in his system. And he shouldn't have put himself in a position to even be to even be contacted by the police. And if you watch the whole video, in the beginning, they were doing everything they could to try and help him. Right? 
He was freaking out because he's claustrophobic. Absolutely freaking out. And they kept telling him, hey, man, it's okay. Breathe. Calm down. I'll get in the back with you. I'll ride with you. He didn't want anything to do with it. He was in their excited delirium, man. That thing's excited delirium's a hell of a thing. The hell of a thing. I want to make sure I'm understanding. You're not in any way making like excuses or justifying this, correct? No. Okay. I think, I think, I think should that guy, should Chauvin, right? That was his name. Should he have been charged? Yeah. He, he, he took it too far in that, in that instance. However, he's not going to get convicted because the media jumped on it and the media put pressure to overcharge him and because they jumped in and overcharged him before the facts of the case came out he's not going to get convicted and then where are we going to be but i think but no there's not an officer that thinks what he did is okay i mean Mm -hmm. not find an officer that's like yep what he did was justifiable because it's Mm -hmm. completely unjustifiable what he did so Mm -hmm. let's clear that and say that that was just nobody would ever agree that that was appropriate what he did. And that sucks, but that's not what killed him. Excited delirium combined with lethal levels of fentanyl killed George Floyd. But okay. Let's say that that's what there there was no need for the knee on the neck though. So regardless of the fact that those other things played a role uh, in his death, it should have never gotten in the beginning. In the beginning, there was a need because he was trying to bounce his head off the pavement. So in the beginning, yes. However, that officer should have had an internal clock or somebody standing around with him should have been, hey, man, we've been here for a while. Like, what are we doing? Like, let's 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 make a decision and go. So for that, I will I will say, yes, that's where they screwed up. And that's why they got charged. Right. But that that was entirely too long. And yes, there are times where you have to do that to control somebody. He wasn't just sitting saying, yes, officer. okay, officer, and doing exactly what they were telling him to do. That wasn't happening. I don't foresee the point of the knee. And like I said here, I went I, I have not gone through the training you've gone through. Uh, But I did go through significant self-defense and offensive training. Mm -hmm. And I can hold my own in almost every scenario. Sorry. In most scenarios, not almost every scenario. I have never been taught to use a knee on somebody's neck. There are plenty of other ways where I could successfully restrain larger and smaller individuals without Mm -hmm. putting someone on the neck. I don't see why he would do that. Have, have you ever come across an individual going through excited delirium? Uh, I've gone ac- you know come across drug addicts. Um, I've come across okay. people with knives and guns. I've come across with okay. drugs. So specifically okay. excited delirium? No, but people out of their mind? Absolutely. And well, I somebody to- that somebody George Floyd's size going through excited delirium. Can you explain what that is? I'm not 100% sure what excited delirium is. Excited delirium is when you're on some sort of narcotic and it, you you have such a level in your system that your body is operating outside of its limits. 
So your heart is pumping so fast and so hard that you're literally could die of a cardiac event. Like your heart could, for lack of a better term, explode. And what that gives that person is in layman's terms, superhuman strength, right? The ability to do all kinds of crazy shit. Like the stuff I've seen people do when they're on excited delirium is stuff that, that movie producers would love to put in their films, right? right. It's stuff that when you see it, you just go, what? Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it. Right. So to, to control his head in the beginning, yes, they had to because he was going to bang his head off the concrete. Now, does that mean it had to be seven minutes and 43 seconds? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They should have moved past that stage way before. And that's where they're in the wrong. But yes, you do have to control the head somehow. And some, and that is a tactic that's, that's taught. It doesn't get executed like he did that day. Right. Again, a tragedy, things went horribly wrong, but that's not what killed him. So with the excited delirium, just uh, so we're clear, it's, it's not only not a recognized medical condition, there is a lot of controversy surrounding it. Mm -hmm. um, not believing it's necessarily credible. Um, mm -hmm. Now, I do want to jump back a second. In Wilmington, uh, this is Wilmington, North Carolina. Three officers were recorded with the following. Uh, regarding Civil War, and in quotes, I'm ready. Followed by, this is all recorded. We are just going to go out and start slaughtering them fucking N-words. Now, okay. those are three officers right there. Do you still stand by your statement that no officer thinks about doing that and killing people for no reason? Just because no. they wrote that doesn't mean that's what they're going to do. Like I said, police have a different, a different sense of humor. Now, does that make them racist? Sure. That could absolutely mean that they're absolutely racist and shouldn't be in this profession because they're racist. But I wouldn't say that that means that those, those guys are, are the ones that you speak of. I think there's a difference between those guys specifically being racist, racist pieces of shit and shouldn't be in this racist. Racism has no place in this profession. So yeah, those guys are racists and should they probably be in this job? No. Those would those now. Maybe they were just totally joking. Right? Different sense of humor, sick sense of humor. To see the things that we see, we have to have a sick sense of humor, or else it'll eat you alive. So again, not knowing the context of those three guys, I would simply say that on face value, they're probably racist. But I wouldn't say that they're killers and they're going to go out and kill somebody. I know you can't say they're killers, but we can't put out the possibility that they're not. I, I guess that's the only point I'm trying to make is I get the whole sense of humor thing. I grew up mm -hmm. in a, I'm older than I look, so I grew up in a different time. And I mm -hmm. 
can I can say stuff to my friends that most people be like, you know, what the hell are you saying? But mm-hmm. saying I never joke about killing somebody uh, to that extent, mm-hmm. or saying you should kill them, effing n-word, like that seems like a whole new level of something wrong with them that they're not only mm-hmm. racist, but that they have this idea that it's acceptable to go out and kill people. I would disagree. I would say that they're simply racist and said some things, some off color things that, that are being, that you can look at at face value and perceive them that way. But I wouldn't make that jump that what they're saying is what is really in their heart and in their mind when they go out on shift. Um, Holly, do you, I'm the one asking all the questions, so feel free to jump in at any point. (laughs) I really, okay, I'm torn because I really don't think that there are any police officers that are like, I'm in this profession to kill people. I do not think there's any police officers that do that. Do I think that there's police officers that have a control issue? Absolutely. They know they have power and they abuse it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I don't necessarily believe that they go into the profession to kill people. I don't, I don't agree with that. And those people are racist and they should not be police officers. I agree with that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with you at all, but I don't think just because someone says something, you it's again, context, what they're talking about, when, where, why, right. But that's the, that's the blessing and the curse of the internet and social media. Things don't get put into context. Always they get put into, unfortunately, what you see in that time. And, and it can be misconstrued and you can be labeled as maybe those guys aren't racist at all. I don't know. You don't know either. No, maybe I, they were just fucking around. I now saying okay. that, saying that that's pretty far. Right. But, you know, I wouldn't take the level that those guys would really necessarily say, Hey, we're going head hunting tonight. So I want to try and uh, bridge this with an analogy. Let's say we apply, like, let's say right now I'm, we're going to do this from, how do I, how do I word this? I'm going to make a statement and it's not a statement I stand behind, but I'm just going to use it as an example. Is that okay? Sure. Would you defend me as vigorously as you're, seem to be defending like or justifying or defending them if i said to you i just want to go out and start slaughtering all these effing pigs and i referred to police officers as pigs would you be defending me the same way you're defending them and say oh he's just joking around he doesn't mean it in the way that you just said it i would laugh at you okay you'd laugh but if you no, I'd be like, really, Ethan? That's what you're going to do? Okay. Well, I wouldn't. To be clear, I wouldn't say that. I would right. never and advocate I, violence. Right. I would not even call police officers pigs. I don't do that. I'm only trying to use it as an example. Let Which, me ask you this: How yeah. many? How many times? I won't say a day. But I'll say how many times a week do you think I hear "fuck twelve," "fuck pigs." 
a cab, all that kind of stuff. Right, but do you my think point- that I that I necessarily take those people that that's really what they're saying, or they just want attention? All right, let's let's say I have a gun on me because the police okay. officers obviously have a gun on them, and I mm-hmm. say I just want to kill you effing pigs. Would you be defending okay. then and say, "Well, he doesn't mean it like that," even though I have a gun on me? It's freedom of speech. Say whatever you want. I know, but would you be defending me the same way you're like kind of defending them? Like, like for example, with them, you're saying, "Oh, they may have not meant it like that." Would you be saying yeah. the same for me? Yeah, I say that all the time with all the things that I see with people that say that exact same thing and take it even a step further. So and I just shake my head. Right? You're okay with people in a position of trust and power to be making jokes like that? Like the, sorry. Uh, jokes. Jumping back to the police officer where they, they said like. I can't like, change. I can't change somebody from being a racist asshole. I can't change that. I can't change the the kind of humor that somebody chooses to have right but i can tell you that even though what they would say is in poor taste and is ridiculous to say i wouldn't say that that's what's in their heart that they're really going to do okay do you think people making comments like that should still be police officers depends it does ethan It depends. Are they joking or are they really racist pieces of shit? I don't. I'm. 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 I'm trying to understand this from uh, uh, your side. Um, I I guess maybe you can help me out here. Okay. I don't see how that is acceptable to be making comments like that. I don't think it's acceptable either, and I haven't said it's acceptable. What I said is. They're probably racist. I don't think they have it in their heart to go out and do what they're saying. And one of the things that all police officers do is uphold the Constitution of the United States. And freedom of speech is one of those biggest things. Now, does it disgust me that someone would say that, that wears a badge? Yes, it disgusts me. I get disgusted on a daily basis by some of the things I hear, by some of the things I say. And that people say, I should say it, not what I say. I'm, I'm me, not like that. Let me try and just get a, a, a direct answer. Do you think okay. people that make, whether they be jokes or serious, that are in positions of power should still be police officers if they make statements like that? Yes. Why? What's the context of what they're saying? If they're found to be racist and they make those comments and their department investigates it and sees that they're that way and they have a history of conduct that shows that what they're saying is more true than not, then yeah, get rid of them. What do, what do, what do, does everybody say in the privacy of their own home? Or between friends. Right? We don't know that. We don't know what anybody says. That's what but, makes this country great and what makes this country shit. Is that everybody can say what they want. 
in well, you can't say what you want. There are limitations. Um, right. Hate speech. In, in and if what, that what those three said, I would say is borderline hate speech. And if that's the kind of shit that they'd say, then yeah, their department should investigate them. And they should probably not have the job. But I'm not going to sit here and say that just because they say that, that they're going to go out headhunting. No, I won't say that. You know, I'm not saying you're suggesting that they're definitely going to go out headhunting. I just don't. In what context, I guess, is it okay mm -hmm. to make a joke that you want to kill a bunch of effing N-words? Like, in what context is that acceptable? They would just. It would completely depend on the situation that they find themselves in. How is that ever acceptable? Well, if you're among if you're among like-minded people that think the same way as you, whether it's disgusting or not, which I think the three of us can agree that those words are disgusting and shouldn't be used. Okay, but when you're amongst your friends, you can say whatever you want whether it's disgusting or not. I That's part of it. So this video, is it like guys just hanging out with each other or like, I, I, I want to see this video. I'm like super curious now to see this video. Is it on, obviously it's on YouTube? Uh, which video are we talking about? It ends with the guys, you know, using inappropriate racist language, the cops. Uh, send you, I'll put the link in the comment. Can't offer an opinion. I haven't seen it. Um, yeah, they, I mean, they also did say wipe them off the fucking map. So I just, I, I, I don't want to sit here and get hung up on this. I'm just, I'm struggling here because I feel like if one of my friends said something like this to me, I would call them out. I wouldn't be like, oh man, yeah, yeah. I, you're joking. And yeah. I would call them out too. And if I, if I heard one of my friends or one of my coworkers say something that disgusting. And yes, I would take issue with them and I would do it. I wouldn't make it a public thing. I would, I would, that would be locker room. Now, what the fuck are you saying? Right? Like, mm -mm. what are you doing? And oh man, we're just joking around. Yeah. Okay. If that's the only time they've ever done it, then okay. They're just screwing around and being assholes. Right. That doesn't mean. Or they're either A, joking around and being assholes in the moment, or they really are racist and need to go. That we agree on. Yeah. We agree that they're racist and they need to go, but where I don't agree is, I, I don't know. Like, I know we all have our biases, and I just feel like you're kind of doing some mental gymnastics to try and justify why they said that like rather than just outright condemning saying jokes or not they shouldn't be joking about something like this like people in a position of power police politicians presidents should not be saying wipe them off the map or should not be saying just i'm gonna kill those effing people like it just shouldn't be happening and if they are saying it joke or not they should be immediately removed from their position That's where we would have to disagree then, Ethan, because I think if if it is that case where they're just being jerks in the moment and 
or joking around in poor taste or not amongst friends, okay, whether they have a position of power or not, okay, no one's perfect. No one says does the the the, the straight laced things. The world is not black and white. The world is gray. Okay. So yes, it's disgusting. And if that was a pattern with these guys, and it not only was a pattern in social settings where it's just amongst their their buddies, and they actually did stupid shit at work, and it showed up in calls, and it showed up and use of force or stuff like that, then yeah, see ya. Get out of here. A, a lot of what this... Okay. I want to jump back to where I was at 10 years ago. Because 10 okay. years ago, I would have I would have agreed with you and Holly. I was adamant that at all costs, police officers, military, and the American flag needed to be supported without objection. However, I, I feel like you're still giving people you don't even know the benefit of the doubt simply because they wear a badge. And I don't understand that. I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. doesn't matter if they have a badge or not. I give, I give the people, even the people that you see on TV, the Antifa people of the world, that stand in front of police officers and spit in their face and so, say, fuck you and all that. Like, I think that's disgusting and I think that's ridiculous. And I think people should do different things with their time. But again, I'm sworn to uphold the constitution of the United States. First amendment is one of the most important things in this country. And people can say, agreed to an extent, right? What they want. And they can have the opinions they want. That doesn't always mean that that opinion or those things they say is, is what's in their heart and, and drives what they do every day. And with these three that we're talking about, if they really are racist to the core, see you. Got to go. I, I right? just feel like people in a position of power should not be making jokes like that. And particularly if they're willing to joke about that. Um, jokes are jokes, man. No, they're not, though. Jokes can, at times, have uh, they have consequences. Mm -hmm. Words have consequences. And sure. making extreme, there's no reason to even make a comment like that. Like, that's not a joke. Like, imagine if, okay, um, I guess what jokes are off limits is, if killing's not off limits, is rape or sexual harassment jokes off limits or are those jokes okay too have you watched stand-up comedy lately uh, we're talking about police officers we're not talking about stand-up right. comedians police so officers are people we, police officers are people who should be held to a higher standard because they are in a position of power and trust i i will not for example um I will not go become a police officer because I don't think I'm qualified. And I okay. like, and despite the fact of several police officers I've seen in my personal life being clearly far less qualified than I am, I still don't think I'm qualified to do it. Mm -hmm. And I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> 
Um, but again, even that, even even saying that's Ethan's opinion, right? Right. That's your opinion, and everybody's entitled to their opinion. Um. All right. So we do. We're we're going to be running out of time here soon, but we do have uh one caller. He's been in the comments. Uh, it looks like it's uh Michael. Uh, Michael, you are on with Holly and Andy. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, what's going Hello, on? Hello, Michael. Hey there. Nice to meet you, Andy. Thanks for your work. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, I'm going to try to... No worries. I'm going to try to be pretty brief here. Uh, I, could, I could really talk at length at this. But um, back to uh, the idea of defunding the police. Um, mm-hmm. Over the last 30 years or so... Um, Crime rates have been going down precipitously, and that, that's that been researched and studied. But incarceration continues to increase. America makes up 5% of the world's population and 25% of the incarcerated population. Doesn't mm-hmm. it follow that we should, A, um, kind of take some of those resources away from police officers in order to maybe uh, alleviate the poverty that's creating the crime to begin with? I think what you're ta- what you're what you're talking about is is a pretty big rabbit hole to go down. There's a lot of things that I think should be changed for impoverished parts of the country and the programs that are put towards those impoverished parts and the things and the root causes of what causes high crime areas, you know, fatherless families education, opportunities, all those types of things. I, I think a lot of that stuff should be done. And there are, there are, Mm -hmm. there are aspects of police departments that do do that, that do that now. Um, there are also ones that just don't have the funding to begin with to do that. So that's why I say, instead of go for the defunding the police, you actually need to fund it more to boost those programs and even even have those programs to begin with. The prison system is, is, I think we could both agree, more punitive than rehabilitative. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I, would, so, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't disagree with you on that at all. Yeah, I, so I don't want to talk too much about race here because it's a sticky subject, mm-hmm. and, and you know, like we all have our views. However, mm-hmm. you spoke to uh, poverty and you spoke to fatherless families, and I think that it's kind of you know, it's an elephant in the room to not address you know the systemic racism and the history of oppression of African Americans that kind of created the poverty that they experienced, which causes. The, the disparity in, in crime rates and imprisonment for people of color. Mm-hmm. Well, I would, I always tend to, to push back on the systemic racism part of policing. Um, yes, there are areas that where statistically speaking, you can look at statistics and call it systemic racism. Um, because of, because of those high crime areas and, and the people that frequent those high crime areas, you don't have a choice, right? But again, 
I have always said you have to attack specifically our our population centers. Those areas mm-hmm. happen because black people are more statistically likely to live in population centers, and mm-hmm. those predominantly African American communities are predominantly African American because of Jim Crow laws and white flight. If you mm-hmm. know what that is, right? And and the uh, and the crime bill when that was enacted, like. Hundred percent that that incarcerated. God knows how many Republicans, and I'm not here to yeah to say mm-hmm. otherwise. But that that's what systemic racism is about. And, and you know, if we're punishing, which is is what the prison system does, and it's a for profit system, we both know that. If we're punishing people at, at this, this this very high rate, and ultimately it's you know there's this blowback about why it's happening to begin with. Wouldn't it be better to have this money put in more social funds as opposed to in the hands of police officers. I would, I would agree with you, except the part where I would, where I would veer off from you. Cause I think we would, you and I would agree on a great many things, but taking mm-hmm. money away from police departments that are already strapped budgetarily speaking as it is, means that those actual programs that you want are going to be the first ones that get cut because police departments have a duty to protect its citizens. And that's first and foremost. And if you can afford to do those social programs, then that's great, right? That That's incredible if you can get that in your budget to do it. But those, unfortunately, if you defund the police, those are the programs that are going to are going to go by the wayside. And that's what that's what I when people say defund out of one thing and putting it into another ends up. It's just, it's kind of more so, you know, an argument about the allocation of funds. And I get what you're mm-hmm. saying, but I, a lot of what is, you know, what constitutes crime is, you know, Crimes of poverty, homelessness, drug addiction, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. There's a lot of a lot of things. It's a vicious cycle with a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. And that's white, black, Mexican, Chinese, purple, orange, whatever, whatever you want to call it, right? But if you just simply, that's why I, when people say defund, you you've gotta you've gotta come with you've got to come with something better than, Hey, we just need to defund the police because people just yeah, need I, to I understand. And I, I think that's the fundamental you know, argument is that when, when people like me say defund, there's that, that whole other, you know, paragraph about why and where it would go. And, and sometimes uh, the other side, they hear that and it's kind of a knee jerk. No, we need police. So I completely agree with you. Yeah. Bye, Holly. Sorry, I gotta go. Children, Michael, Michael, I agree. I I agree with you, man. There's, there's, unfortunately, this is, this is such an issue that has so, you know, it's like a hydra. It's got so many heads, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. and I would love, 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 love to see more money dumped into into police budgets to be able to to do more right 
but a lot, unfortunately, a lot mm-hmm. of police departments have to do more with less. And that's where the problem, that's when you run into some problems sometimes. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Andy. Yeah, I'm going to head back into work. You guys have a great evening. Thanks for coming. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks, Mike. Nice talking to you. Um, all right. Yeah. There, uh, there is one more person I want to get to. He's actually a, okay. a, a, a military veteran. Um, I'm going to bring okay. him on screen with him. He, I have history with him. Totally cool dude. So. Okay. Uh, Kenneth, how you doing, man? Uh, uh, totally cool. Um, pretty cool. <laughs> uh, Kenneth, Andy, Andy, Kenneth. Hey, what's going on, Ken? How are you, bud? Oh, I'm good. I, so, I, there was something that it's it's. I'm in an interesting uh, position on on topics relating to policing. Um, okay. I uh, I work. I'm a federal employee. I, I work in the world of immigration and uh, mm-hmm. work hand in hand with law enforcement and. There's a, a and, and, and have law enforcement in my family as well. Um, I I think that there's a, a, a well, let me let me just put it like this. So when you guys were talking about speech and and the speech uh, that that was brought up with the officers in, in North Carolina and the things that they they uh, allegedly said, um, th- there was a, a, a moment. Um, and Andy, you were talking about, um, you know, free speech and, and giving people the benefit of the doubt. Um, and, and at one point, uh, Ethan asked about jokes related to, I think he said, um, like sexual harassment. And, uh, and you said, um, if I, if I heard you right, uh, have you heard what Stan comics are saying nowadays? And it, it just struck me, um, I'm wondering if you feel like police officers generally should be just held to a higher standard um, than the general public and stand-up comics, for example. And the reason I'm asking is mm-hmm. that I think that the it seems to me that the culture of, of police officers protecting each other at all costs, um, I think it makes the job dangerous and, and harder than it needs to be for all the good officers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the sort of culture of, of covering for the, the, the bad apples, so to speak. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. to what extent you agree with that. See, I, I disagree with the notion when people say uh, we protect each other at all costs. Um, when you see, like, for instance, when people take exception to, like, the thin blue line, right? Or, or people say the blue curtain, okay? Now... I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that at a large department like Minneapolis or like Chicago, that that doesn't exist. Okay. That's something that if it exists, it's existed for years before police was modern, right? Like, you know, with Chicago, for instance, probably if you take it back to the sixties, right. When that probably got created, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to look at, at the genesis of that. But I think what what people need to understand is, yeah, there are those places where it's it's defend your brothers and your sisters, but it's not defend them at all costs, right? And yes, should we be held to a higher standard to an extent? Yes, but we're also people too. So in the public eye, should we be a certain way, but then be able to joke around with ourselves behind behind the scenes, behind closed doors, so we don't go crazy? Absolutely. If you said you were in the military? Yeah. 
I understand Gallo's humor is a way of coping with stress. Yeah. I mean, right. anybody who spent you know more than a mm-hmm. couple hours hanging out with right. people in the army, you know, understands uh, mm-hmm. that there's a lot of things that are said that, frankly, shouldn't be. Um, but it, it was an interesting thing when when I was in the army. Um, I saw in the the more sort of elite the caliber was of the the soldier or sailor or airman that Mm -hmm. I was around, the less of that stuff you tended to see. And the, the, the really elite groups with the great reputations hold themselves to, to these incredibly high standards of professionalism. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, even when they're not in the uniform, there's, you know, you don't do anything that's going to bring any sort of uh, dishonor or discredit to your, to Mm -hmm. your, your group. Um, and it just seems like at this moment in our, in our, you know, history and in this cultural moment that we find ourselves in, uh, it seems like um, tolerance for, uh, you know, even just joking around in a way that uh, could be, you know, offensive or harmful to any groups that you're supposed to be responsible for protecting and serving, uh, seems like mm-hmm. a huge liability. Uh, you know, from I'm, 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 I'm obviously I'm not. You know, oh, with the of course, like I would, I would say that for for the example that Ethan brought up about those guys, I could guarantee you that they're a liability for their department, hundred percent, right? Like we could all agree on that. Um, I guess, I guess maybe what I'm not getting my point a- across in a way that yes, I do believe that there is professionalism in this in this profession, and I think that. Um, a lot of a lot of us do hold ourselves to a higher standard, like you're saying, like with elite units and in the public eye, we do have that. And when my my uniform comes off, I'm the same way that I am when the uniform's on, right? I do because I carry a badge with me everywhere I go. So I'm a police officer 24 seven. But that doesn't mean that, you know, when I have to have to decompress and all that other stuff that I might say a joke that might be in poor taste, but it's just a joke. It's, it's uh, not, it's not something in my heart. I understand. Or, I, I mean, it's possible that I, I mean, it's, I, I try to be sort of painfully aware of, uh, of how little I know about, about, you know, most things. And, uh, mm-hmm. but when it comes to sort of the, the, the culture of policing and public perception of police right now. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I find myself sort of often, you know, like, like I was watching the morning news and they were talking about this story, this horrific story of an officer um, being called to a domestic call. Uh, it was a, a, an autistic boy who was 13 years old who um, the mm-hmm. mother told the officers he had a toy gun. And the long story short was, an officer ended up um, shooting this this 13-year-old kid while he was running away. Um, the officer mm-hmm. fired like 11 shots. And um, and it's just a horrible situation. And when the, the chief uh, of this department came on the, the TV to talk about it, the statement was like, um, you know, we really want to work with the community to, you know, to tell everybody that we want to, you know, protect. Everybody. There was there was no like outright statement of this is unacceptable. We're not putting up with this crap. That guy's fired. We, we're going to overhaul mm-hmm. everything. And 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 I, I just find myself wishing that that more officers would would 
just come down with statements like that because it, it, it strikes me, like I said, that, that the job of policing is what we ask officers to do is like is an impossible job. And I, it doesn't seem to me that we make it any easier by um, mincing words about anything, if that makes sense. No, no, no. I, 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 I see where you're coming from. Um, and in that, again, in that situation, I'm, I'm not aware of it. I'd have to see it. Yeah. But yeah, I would, I could, I would agree with you that some sort of public statement in that, in that sense. Yeah. And rest assured that even though you don't see it, the vast majority of us police ourselves so that those situations that are sensationalized in the media, on social media, all that kind of shit doesn't happen. That's that more, more often than not, like you're getting, you know, if somebody does something stupid, you know, it's handled, it's handled in house rather than have to be out in the public eye. Um, it's an, and it's an interesting thing. I think I've talked to Ethan about this before, this idea that, um, in a nation where you've got, you know, a few hundred million people and a few hundred million camera phones that, uh, <laughs> low probability, um, right. events get put up on YouTube and on the news all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, it, you know, in, in a nation where, you know, roughly 10 million arrests happen every year, there are mm -hmm. about a thousand people a year killed by police officers. Um, for people watching the news, it doesn't feel like, you know, there's a less than one in 10,000 chance of anything, you know, happening in bad if you encounter an officer. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I, it's just, I don't know, man. I, all this stuff about defunding the police even. I mean, I live in Chicago. The police have a, a budget of almost $1.8 billion. And uh, an oh. awful lot of time. Yeah, yeah so Chicago's, Chicago's got a big budget. I, I want to say it's $1.76 billion, but I'm going off memory. So you can check and see if I'm Rain Man or if I'm just pulling stuff out of my butt. Um, no, that sounds that sounds pretty close. The uh, I, I, I often find myself encountering, there's officers in my neighborhood who I know, and these guys are working their, their tails off. And there's just a, there's there's a handful of officers that are just absolute knuckleheads that make the rest of them look bad, and it, it uh, it's uh, it's a frustrating situation we find ourselves in. I'm not mm -hmm. sure what the answer is. There, it's no more frustrating. And again, I can't look at it from the civilian part of it, but it's as frustrating for guys like me that have that have worked their ass off in their career to do the right things and to, to help people, um, you know, to, to help people and to get the bad guy and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it sucks. It sucks that there's the bad ones out there and it sucks when you encounter them. And it also sucks that, yeah, the sensational stuff is what, what gets, what gets clicks and what gets views. I wish the good was out there more so that people could kind of see the other parts. Right. Like even even the departments that that get. You know, um, like even a department like Ferguson, for example, OK, Ferguson had a shitload of problems, a shitload of problems. And there were a lot of bad eggs in that place, but there were probably good ones, too. So, yeah, there were the problems. And obviously it was a powder keg and it boiled over. But there were. I guarantee you there were guys in there trying to do the right thing, trying to 
to do that community relations stuff, to be that, that, that bridge, that gap that had been created. It's just, a, it didn't, you couldn't see it. And unfortunately it took too long. But, but to, to that to that effect, when you talk about the officers that are trying to get out there and do the community work that's so essential, I, do you think that we're, because I, I, I caught you talking about wanting to, to fund police more, and there's this split mm-hmm. of, you know, defund the police, fund the social programs more, try to take some of the burden off of the police versus give the police more power to take on even more burdens. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems to me that, I don't know if you feel like you in your job get enough training to be able to be really good at all the things that are asked of you on any given day. Um, every cop that I know personally is always talking about how they wish they could get more, more training. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you think we should be asking more of the police or, or <laughs> it's, or, I mean, or I think- trying to take some of the, some of those burdens away? Yeah, I agree with you. I would say too that that more is always better. Um, of course, um, I don't know if you caught it earlier about me talking about the crisis intervention stuff that 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 goes on that that kind of training that does happen that de-escalation, especially with um, the people that are in crisis. Um, it's it's just a it's just a hard hard thing to talk about when when people have that knee-jerk reaction to just say, well, you know what? We're going to take money away from them. Okay, well, where's it going to come from? And like I say, those 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 social programs, like a DARE or like a, a, a you know, a senior citizen programs and stuff like that, those are going to be the first ones that get cut. Sure. Right? Because those those, when you look at it from a budgetary standpoint, are the ones that are the easiest to cut compared to the stuff, like I said, that you're responsible to your citizens to keep them safe and to protect them. You know, it, it's one of those vicious, vicious circles. Um, I don't have all the answers. I don't know all the answers. You know, um, I'm just one guy in a suburban department. I'm lucky to be in a department that has a lot of those programs in place already and has a budget and the backing of a of a city and the council and the mayor and everyone to do those programs but unfortunately there's there's plenty of of departments out there that just don't they just don't have the money um and and when people say defund like that's when i just shake my head i'm like man that's just that just won't work right like i look at it have either of you seen the movie demolition man yeah Okay. Ethan, have you seen that? Of course. It's a great movie. Okay. So, so I always, I always use from Wesley Snipes in that film with the uh, colors and. <laughs> right. That's how Ethan's going to do his, do his hair. So <laughs> I always, what I like, what I like to, to point people at is, do you want the police like demolition man where Wesley Snipes is out there? you know, typing away at that little screen and the cop comes up to him with the little iPad looking thing and it doesn't even know what to do because there aren't any dudes like Wesley Snipes. There haven't been any bad dudes like that around for right. what, 20 years or whatever it was. And then yeah. what is, what happens? Huh? 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 Yeah. And then what does Wesley Snipes do? He runs like, like a hot knife through butter, right? 
Well, that's an interesting. Thing. Um, I, when I when I was um, uh, in grad school, I, I spent a year working in, in well, not a year, but part of a year working in uh, in Northern Ireland, and I was shocked at their uh, their police force, um, how mm-hmm. this country had gone from being this heavily armed war zone to having police that didn't carry guns at all um, in a matter mm-hmm. of you know twenty five years, and. Mm-hmm. Um, people talk about these countries in Europe, you know, well, why can't we just police like they do in the UK? Um, but it's, it's a thing that is, is it, people don't seem to realize that, that American police are policing in the most heavily armed nation on earth. Um, that, uh, there are unique problems here. Um, and, and speaking intelligently about, about a lot of these, topics seems to require an awful lot more thought and a lot more nuance than people um, yeah. are, are prepared for. Um, I, I, I wish I had a better sense of, of how defunding um, would work. Um, it seems to me that there are people making intelligent noises on both sides of this issue. Um, mm-hmm. from, from a big city perspective, like you said, with with like a like the city of Chicago with having a one, let's just call it one point eight. Okay, could you probably cut the fat from some of that budget and put it towards other things? Sure, but what do you got to do to make that happen? You got to get politics out of it, right? You got to get aldermen out of it. You got to get you got to get all that kind of stuff out of it in order to be able to do that in the first place. And I think the only place that you could even begin to talk about defunding, you know, quote unquote, would be those big cities. You to try and do it at, at a at a suburban level, I think I don't even think it would be that possible. I just don't. If there was, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about policing in the United States to make it better and change public perceptions, um, what what would you do? Wow. Um, Sorry for hijacking your show, Ethan. <laughs> no, I, I, I spent the first hour fifteen minutes grilling him pretty hard. So, uh, I, um, if I if I could wave my magic wand, I would truly want like the like uh, like Michael was talking about about like those impoverished areas. I wish those areas didn't exist. I wish that those those kids growing up fatherless didn't feel like they had to turn to the gang on the street to, to get ahead in life. I wish they could have a better education. I wish that, that a lot of things didn't exist, but unfortunately, you know, that's why the analogy of, of the police being the sheepdog protecting the flock from the wolf. That's why that's out there is because there are those people that whether whether no fault of their own or because they made the choice to be that wolf, to be that way. I wish I could wave a magic wand so that all those people didn't have to grow up that way. You know, that they could, they could have the opportunity to get an education and get an education and get out of, of those impoverished parts and, and be able to, to not have to turn to that life. And then what does that do? inevitably that that sends you to jail right and then it's just a vicious cycle from there yeah and I, was, I was just thinking that it's, it's, it goes back to that vicious circle that you were, you were talking about um 
because yeah, I mean, I, I think that people are paying attention. It's pretty obvious. I mean, nobody. In, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody in the United States grows up as a little kid going, you know, I want to be a, a criminal. I want to be on the wrong side of the law. Uh, I'm going to look mm-hmm. over my shoulder all the time. When I when I grow up, that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, it, yeah, it seems to me that that uh, the overwhelming majority of crimes are crimes of opportunity, right? So mm-hmm. uh, when we replace those opportunities with better ones, it seems like a no-brainer that people make yep. better choices. But that sounds almost like an argument for allocating more money to these social programs. <laughs> So there, there's right. that, that whole circle. You know, it is, it, and it's it's a it's a vicious circle, and it's a it's a sucky circle, and it's and it, it all. In the end of the day, what it all boils down to is the almighty dollar, right? Is we're is we're talking about funds and money and where it should go and where it shouldn't go, and and there is no right answer. There really isn't. You know, I don't have all the answers. Ethan doesn't have all the answers. You know, nobody does. And until somebody comes up with that aha, you know, solution, I, I don't, I really don't know what the answer is other than to continue to go to work every day. And before I go to work, kiss my wife, kiss my kids and hope that, you know, hope that go to work with the hope that I come home and all my shift mates come home yeah. to all our families. Right. Um, you know. Can I ask one more question? It's past my bedtime. I got I got to cut. But you may—I don't know if you've even asked this, Ethan, because I missed the first bit of the show. But uh, the—is—is uh, is there a single thing that you wish more people knew about your job? And uh, it, like, there's one thing that you think is like a biggest misconception, or if there's something that you, you just wish more people understood, what what, what would that be? I think that kind of goes back to to what Ethan and I were kind of kind of spinning our tire spinning our wheels a little bit earlier is just how at times difficult this job is and how it can go from from zero to 60 and just how fast yeah it can go that way and that's um if you missed the first part then then one of the first things i was saying and encouraging everybody out there that's watching this and everybody that's not you know i i tell it to everybody that that i can I encourage everybody to go to citizens police academies. Hmm. If your if your local department does them, go to it, sign up for it. Hopefully, you can obviously pass the background check to be allowed to do it. Um, but it it really is an eye opening experience for people because it puts you it, it it gives you just a little taste, just enough, so that you can kind of open your eyes to wow, like. Okay, now I have a different perspective, and not that it it changes the hearts and minds of people, but just that it gives them that that little glimpse in, into what we do and how we do it. Cool. Well, thanks for letting me call in, Ethan. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, I appreciate it. Hey, it was good talking to you, Ken. I appreciate Likewise. it, buddy. Yeah. Good night, guys. Have a good one. Be safe. Um, question. I forgot to get to this earlier. Um from Jessica Green. Do you support uh, the Black Lives Matter movement? Uh, which, to be clear, you saying you support it doesn't mean you are in favor of uh, you know, um, violent protests. It just means uh, you support you know, the Black Lives Matter so, movement. So you know, BLM, what- that is a loaded question. I, BLM is an organization 
it disgusts me. Um, the movement I agree with because I agree that that there are people in this nation that have it rough and that need need all of our help to try and get out of those situations like like we've been talking about all night um, but BLM as a as an organization I I have no love for I mean if you read I so mean just read their just read what they say man like they they don't want you know, until recently when they took down the part about how they, they want to disavow the nuclear, you know, Western patriarchy or whatever, however it was termed. Like, no. Now, Black Lives Matter as as a, as a thing? Yeah, absolutely. Movement, the peaceful protests and, you know, standing, or, you know. What did I, 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 what, and what did, what have I said a few times on this is that I support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And yes, in in the history of our country, a lot of things have has changed because of peaceful protests and movements, right? But I think where things go sideways these days is social media and is a difference in our society as a whole now versus back in the days when Martin Luther King accomplished the things that he did, right? I think if, and again, I'm just a stupid white guy, right? <laughs> Having an opinion, right? But I think personally that if Martin Luther King could see the way that the, the BLM movement has been hijacked in a sense, I don't think, I think it's been hijacked. I think the I think this is a, a situation where the the news might be just showing you like the violent side of it because the majority, um, kind of yeah. like the majority of police officers, the majority of the protests are are peaceful and and not mm -hmm. violent. Right. Um, but at so the same, I, but at the same time, when those elements come in, that's when everything gets overshadowed, much like in policing, right? Or I can totally agree that there needs to be programs and funding and all kinds of things getting dumped into impoverished communities. Absolutely, thousand percent. Like, I'll I'll will sit on that I'll sit on that board all day long and write checks if I could, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I just think the organization is itself has gone so sideways that. I see. I, I, it, I, I, it just overshadows everything. I, I think that's just the news. Like you're, you're watching like things like Trump and the right wing, you know, right wing say, mm -hmm. painting Black Lives Matter in, in a bad light, and only focusing on the negative. So I, I do not agree that it's been hijacked. Um, I think. However, I think yeah. it's. I don't think it's. If you read into it and you read what what BLM puts out there on its own website is information. That's not really what it's, it should be intended to be right. Like does BLM as an organization dump put money into programs, big brothers, big sisters go into communities to clean them up, you know, to do stuff like that. I don't see it. Maybe they do, 
but I don't. Do I think the protests will eventually, do I think the, the peaceful protests will eventually have, have a desired outcome? Sure. I think they will. Um, but until, until the masses don't see the other aspect, the riots, the looting, all that other stuff, it's, I think it's a shame because I think it drowns out the real, like you're saying, the peaceful part of it, the people that have their heart in the right place. I think it just gets drowned out. So would you go to a Black Lives Matter protest, a peaceful one then, in support of the movement as a police officer? Um, I would to see, to see as a civilian, I would go, um, but not obviously not in uniform or anything like that, because, you know, there's always going to be that, that element there, Mm. um, that wouldn't want me there. Um, you know, and I've had those conversations with people in my personal life, you know, Hey, we're going here. Like, my kids have wanted to go see it and I've always been hesitant to say yes, just because I don't want them to, to have to be involved in the bad part of it. Um, you know, if like the magic wand that Kenneth was talking about, if mm. we could wave a magic wand at a protest that we know that it's going to be safe and it's not going to turn into anarchy. then yeah, absolutely. Um, so but that, that comes with being a parent. Uh, so a couple of things I want to jump back is you had said, why hasn't the Black Lives Matter movement like started cleaning up communities and other things when that's not necessarily their mission statement? So why would you ex- expect them to have all these other responsibilities when their primary focus is specifically like Black Lives Matter and defunding the police? Like, because for example, and go ahead. That would be like, you know, asking a, uh, you know, why aren't police officers volunteering for this? Well, that's, that's not their area. So why would we expect them to do things that aren't under their purview when their primary focus is um, shining a light on the uh, black people that are disproportionately killed by police officers? Well, I would even push back on that if you look at the data, Ethan. I mean, that's, that's a big, that's a big rabbit hole my opinion of black lives matter as a movement is that the problems the true problems lie in the communities themselves and the fatherless homes the the lack of community services the lack of education the lack of of opportunity and that's where in my opinion it's better suited for an organization like that that wants to, to make that kind of a change, it's better, it's, it's focus is better focused there than it is at something that is disproportionately small in comparison to the, to the real things that are affecting that community. So I wouldn't say it's disproportionately small and there are other things and other movements impacting that community, but I Mm -hmm. think that's, I have to go down the systemic racism hole, which we could be here for another hour. Um, Mm -hmm. And we've already been here for two. So uh, I'd like to wrap this up within the next five minutes. Um, Do you mind if we take one last quick call? Sure. Okay. Uh, Mary, uh, you are on with Andy uh, and Ethan. How are you? 
I'm good. Hi, thank you for. I wasn't sure I was going to get on. Yeah, sorry for the, sorry for the delay. Uh, what okay. do you got, Mary? Um, so, hi there. So, um, I'm a mom, and um, as a parent, I sometimes find that my kids do better when I give them positive reinforcement and not negating mm -hmm. any of the negative reinforcements we're talking about with police. But do you guys get any positive reinforcement? Like, have you ever saved a life and then been you know, praise for it or give it, I don't know what happens when you do good. Um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've saved, I did uh CPR on a six day old baby saved his, saved his life. Um, I've cut people down that were, that were hanging them, themselves. Um, I've, I've kept people from jumping off of bridges I've done all kinds of things in my career. Um, and yeah, do I get the, the, do I do it for accolades? No. Do I get that attaboy from the people that I work with? Yeah. Um, my bosses? Yeah. But I don't. Your uppers, not. You mean like my bosses? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I do. Because you talk. But... Okay. But that's not that's not something that is that is important as important as just being there and, and being in that moment to be able to help somebody, right? You know, being able to save a life is a. So if you're balancing the scales, if we're going to partially punish, I was just wondering if we reward the ones who are good. If there is an incentive to oh, yeah. be the one, not that there needs to be. I appreciate that there doesn't. I wouldn't but say you, that it's an, an incentive. Um, you know, there are, you know, medals out there. Each department has their own, their own way of, uh, rewarding that type of, of, you know, like a life-saving award, um, meritorious service medals, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, but I don't think it's something that when you set out to do it, that's why you do it. But yes, those things are out there to, to reinforce the good. Okay. And then I'm curious. So if we want counselors to go with you guys and they're going to be out there, mm -hmm. I'm curious, has your, have your department started talking about if that will be implemented, like the logistics of getting them there to the calls within that 45 seconds or if they'll be at stations, have they started preparing for this or talking about it on any level? No, no. And again, I go, I go, I go back to what I said earlier about people going through citizens police academies to see those types of situations and how fast those situations go from perfectly calm to absolute anarchy and dangerous. And how would you, how would you put a, a social worker or a therapist in that? in that type of situation, they would almost have to be trained the exact same way. I wouldn't put somebody in that situation without having some sort of, sort of training to the likes like I've had or go in having a bulletproof vest and all that kind of stuff, you know, because. I mean, it's kind of in what? essence having a, a tactical or a tactical counselor or even a negotiator, like mm -hmm. we would have a negotiator. Well, well, there's there's negotiators, but they only come out in extreme situations. Now, 
you know, if that's something that higher ups have discussed that have negotiators have discussed, maybe, you know, creating like a call out team, like call it a, for lack of a better term, like a, a, a mental crisis team, let's just say. Right. Um, I don't know if those discussions have happened. I know that there are those types of, of negotiators out there, but they're on SWAT teams. Um, so, I mean, that, that's actually an interesting, an interesting thing. I guess I've never thought of it that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would work because those, those negotiators are, are specially trained to talk people out of insane situations where SWAT teams are called in. So yeah, that could work. But again, um, I know you want to hurry. So I'm not trying to make you go longer, but I did, I was reading the comments and someone was talking about, um, the aspect of 911. Mm -hmm. So how does all of this affect the other services that you guys, that the other services that support emergency services, are those mm -hmm. funded separately or are those paid for by you guys, the department? Um, we don't, we're not big. My department personally isn't big enough to have our own in-house dispatch center. So we're dispatched by an actual dispatch center that has several, several mm -hmm. communities that it, that it, uh, serves and each, each city pays into that, pays into that center for that service. So that would come from your police funding. That would come from taxpayer money. Or is that a separate? That'd be, I, I would assume it just, I don't know if that would come from our budget. I don't know. I'm, I'm not versed in our budget, so I wouldn't know exactly where that would come from. No, no problem. I, I'm just curious for my own community, so I'll, I'll, I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Thank you for being it, it, it could It could be a, a line item in the department's budget, or it's something in the city's budget. Either way, it's one or the other. Yeah. Okay. Okay, thank so, you so much, and thank you, Ethan. You guys seem to have much different um <laughs> ideas and watching you two navigate each other in all pleasantries has been awesome <laughs> to watch. Well thank you. I appreciate that, Mary and I oh, appreciate you calling. Thank in. you. I okay. love Ethan in his backwards hat. It's beautiful. <laughs> I like it, buddy. I like it, buddy. All right. Thanks, Mary. No but but in all but in all seriousness, Ethan, I I I enjoyed our talk. Same. I think it was I think it was constructive. Absolutely. Um, I think more converse, the reason, the whole reason I even agreed to do this is because I think these types of conversations need to be had. Um, I've said that not only, what? No, I've said that countless times. Like these, yeah. what we should be focusing on, like you and I don't agree <laughs> on the majority mm -hmm. of these issues. And I think that's, you mm -hmm. know, uh, evident from the B, you know, the first hour of our interview. Um, mm -hmm. But, we do need to have these conversations. That's the only way we're going to get anywhere is and mm -hmm. we take people who, who don't see eye to eye and put them in a room and make them talk. Like that is the goal of mm -hmm. my channel and who I am is I want to make Republicans, Democrats, uh, you know, mm -hmm. Christian atheists, everyone just sit in a room and let's actually for once solve some mm -hmm. fucking problems because mm -hmm. Well, again, you and I may not agree. I feel like we could find some solutions to the prop to these problems mm -hmm. 
Um, right. Yeah, I think if I think if I think if if people with open minds like you you and myself could sit could sit for more than a couple hours in the in the something where we know we're both time constrained, right? I think I think there would be the the ability to find common ground for sure. Um, but unfortunately, not everybody's open minded, right? No. On either they're, side. No, they're quick at uh, quick to uh, lash out and form judgments without thinking everything mm-hmm. through. But you know, yeah. in all seriousness, I do. I, I, I got to say, I know it cannot be easy. You you didn't know me. You knew Holly, and I'm glad you trusted her enough to like give me a chance and come on and talk to me. Particularly <laughs> when I'm sure she let you know that her and I are in agreement. So you know, Correct. thank you for 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 trusting me, mm-hmm. being willing to come on and mm-hmm. engage in this conversation. And I also want to thank the the audience because you know, while a lot of them didn't see eye to eye with you, it has remained a respectful conversation. And that's exact mm-hmm. focus of this channel. So, mm-hmm. um, officer Andy, thank you so much for doing it. Um, before we close out, is there anything else you would like to, uh, you know, uh, let the audience know? Um, like I said, in like I said in the beginning, um, I encourage, I encourage people to ask the questions. I encourage people to 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 go to their local police departments, whether that's small town or big city, mm-hmm. see if they have, you know, those ride along programs. Obviously, once this COVID thing settles down, um, Citizens Police Academies, I'm telling you, it's just one of those things. And 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 when ours starts up, Ethan, I'll talk you and Holly. I can talk off 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 program and get to see if I can get you guys a couple slots so you guys can, so you guys can see it. Yes. Um, please. Because I think, I think my department does a very good job with it. Um, because I think we budget for it. Um, you know, maybe who knows, maybe we'll have this conversation again. Who knows? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, don't disconnect. I just want to talk to you like afterwards for a couple of minutes, but everyone, if you could, if you're watching it on YouTube, like and subscribe, I'm exhausted. I've pretty much been streaming for about uh, five <laughs> hours now. So um, yeah, everyone. Thanks again, uh, uh, officer Andy. And I hope everyone has a really good night. <laughs>